0: To balling in the six. It's the end of a tough quartet of fixtures for the Raptors. And to discuss it all, to break it all down, and in fact, to break the season down. The first quarter of the season has flown by for our you know championship uh parade, as it were. So and to break it all down, we've got Hunter. Hunter, introduce yourself.
1: Hey guys, yeah. uh so I am from the Take Six podcast. I also host the Raptors Rapture podcast. So please go subscribe, rate, review to all those. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, at H underscore surplus. Uh, I don't want to spell it out for you. it's too. It'll take too long, but try to find me. It'll be a bit of a game for you guys. And Then, obviously, at take underscore six, you can follow me there as well.
0: Yeah, so uh, Hunter, obviously, is part of uh, two fantastic podcasts. Uh, way bigger than us sort of thing, so it's uh, <laughs> great that he sort of hopped on the show today. Um, well, why don't you uh, justify that by sort of giving us a rundown firstly of our last four games we last recorded just before the miami game since then it's been quite an odd week for the raptors in that it's the first losing week we've had of course we've got we've gone one and three it could have been oh and four uh if not for a gasol block yesterday of course um i just want to start actually by after such a high after sort of being 17 oh sorry 15 and four ha- what's happened to the raptors over the last week
1: uh, I think it's just a case of, you know, it's it's a big combination of things, I think, right? Like, they're obviously coming back down to earth after the really, really hot start that they had, but they also dealt with a lot of injuries where they kind of played over their heads in those moments as well. Like, we saw Pascal Siakam, Van Fleet, just playing at an all-star level, and obviously Siakam was being talked about in MVP conversations, and Bill Simmons ranked him 7th, I think, on his top 10 players list, so he was playing out of his head and the Raptors as a whole, their bench unit, they were all playing out of their heads and as a unit. And I think it just, it came to be too much. And, you know, Siakam was playing 35, 36 minutes a night. Van Fleet, I think is still leading the league in minutes played per game. Kyle Lowry's coming back from an injury and all that kind of stuff. So the combination of, them being overworked and Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka both coming back into the lineup and the rotation as well as having a relatively tough schedule right like the Jazz despite whooping them in that game it was they're a tough team they're a gritty team to play the Miami Heat we saw them lose to them and you know Jimmy Butler just brings a presence that a lot of teams don't have obviously the Rockets their offense is amazing the Sixers we've seen how tough they are and then you know that bulls win it should have been 133 to 92 instead of 93 to 92 but i mean it a win's a win and you got to take the wins where you can get them i guess
0: yeah well you mentioned there siakam playing an all-star level of course you've gone into a bit of a we're going to call it a figurative, figurative slump over the last uh four or five games or so where he's only averaging 23 points which of course is a huge disappointment and um, I don't know how you can justify keeping a player like that in your starting lineup. Um I do want to talk about actually uh the return of Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka. The Raptors were 8 and 2 without them, including of course wins against Philly and uh and that huge win against Utah like you said. Um is this just chemistry problems then coming back in? I mean Lowry has been the top assister in each of the last four games. Uh Ibaka was our top rebounder with 14 against the Bulls. Um them coming back into the team, the Raptors going in a losing run, does that correlate at all to you?
1: Um, I don't like I don't necessarily think it correlates totally. Uh that first game against Miami, if Kyle Lowry hits two threes, they win the game. Um so that game I think had something to do with Kyle Lowry coming back in the lineup because if he's fully healthy, there's no way he goes there's no way he goes um you know, O of whatever. I think it was O of eleven in the for three. Uh so like that that does make a difference, but I mean, coming back in after having such a team oriented game and and having all these guys coming off the bench and Norm Powell in the starting lineup and Chris Boucher getting minutes and Ronde Hollis Jefferson getting more minutes, I think them not getting their minutes, they're probably not getting they're not getting their their game uh, as as quick and they're not getting into the rhythm as well as they probably would like to in some of these games and obviously Pascal Siakam I would expect him to be be doing better and, and playing better when Kyle Lowry is in the lineup because you have you have more spacing you have someone to get him the ball he doesn't have to carry the ball up the court all the time and I guess it's just it, they're tired and it's just one of those things where they they hit a tough schedule patch while they're getting tired and then adding Kyle Lowry back in is supposed to make them better but when you're playing really good teams like the Heat the Rockets and the Sixers it's it's really tough to get in that rhythm again Um, so maybe if they if he had the return against the Orlando Magic or the New York Knicks a couple games earlier or even waited till the Bulls we could have seen a different result here but I mean it's it's really early in the season so you want them back in as soon as possible and I think it's a bit of a It's a bit of a stretch to say that, you know, maybe it's Kyle Lowry or Serge Ibaka's fault because they're two of the best five or four guys on the team. So, you you need them in the lineup regardless. You need them starting. Uh, Ibaka is playing starters' minutes, kind of sharing the floor with Gasol. But I, you can't you can't blame them for the losses.
0: No, no. Um, I mean, as you said, they're two players who not only this season but also last season played. You know, some two of the biggest roles in. Our championship run of course um i just want to break down however we've talked about the miami loss and you mentioned you know jimmy butler's effect on toronto he of course even when he was on the Bulls, he loved playing against toronto um then on the uh friday the 6th however we went to where we hosted houston and we played a very similar defensive scheme the box and one the keeping the ball out of the stars hands that we not only did in the NBA Finals last season, but we've done with great success against uh, against teams this season. However, it didn't seem to work against Houston. You had the likes of uh, Macklemore. Well, I don't know if I'm saying his name right or I'm just referencing the rapper. But Macklemore knocking down 27 points in that game. And you essentially had a Rockets team com- almost comfortably shooting lights out. They took a record number of threes, against the Raptors, it was 55 threes. And that was allowed in Nick Nurse's defensive scheme. Do you think, sort of, come playoff time, when you're playing the likes of the Celtics and maybe you want to keep the ball out of Kemba's hands, for example, or you're playing Philly, you want to keep out of Simmons' hands or Embiid's hands, um, you know, which they try to do in that game, do you think Nick Nurse can stick successfully with that defensive system?
1: Yeah, I I do think so. And when it comes down to the playoffs, really, like, it's, it's seven games. So you're not going to be able to have the same defensive scheme over and over and over again, or else somehow they're going to find a foil to it and they're going to find a way to change it up. But it's definitely going to be incorporated into it for sure. And maybe not against a team like the Sixers, because they also do have Embiid. And I don't think Simmons is as forceful as a scorer as a guy like James Harden is, who they were obviously trying to take the ball out of their hands
0: well against Philly what he tried to do was keep Embiid from shooting the three I believe that's what my and I guess the athletics interpretation was and you know maybe we could use it against any team which has a outside perimeter shooter is that sensible
1: yeah um the the one thing uh, like you mentioned the Rockets game they were basically letting anyone but James Harden beat them and that that kind of style i don't think is going to work because all of these guys are nba players right they're all going to hit wide open threes like we saw in this game you mentioned that they took 55 threes they hit 22 of them so that's that's 66 points right there that you're pretty much giving to wide open threes and that's not an acceptable really way to play the game of basketball um but if if they do change up the schemes every now and then in the playoffs which they will have to do in a seven game series i i don't see why they wouldn't use this type of stuff and and nick nurse is very smart with the way that he plays we saw it last year in the like you said the box one the finals but throughout the entire postseason uh, and the raptors also have a really 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 good depth of defensive wings so that's like the most important position to have good defense at and then obviously Lowry and Van Fleet are really good defensive guards and then you've got Gasol who has a really high defensive IQ and then uh, Serge Ibaka as well so they have a lot of variation that they can use in terms of their defense and being able to get different looks and not a lot of teams are built like the Houston Rockets so I think if you look at it in that sense they did they did a fairly good job and you know there's not a lot of teams in the East especially that are built like the Houston Rockets who are just going to fire threes as much as they possibly can. So I think it'll work uh, come playoff time, but it's also not going to be the only style that they use.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good point there. Um, so that's Houston. Uh, Philly, I'm not going to delve too much into. Uh, 76 has continued their unbeaten home record. Uh, they're now 12-0 at home, uh, which is... Phenomenal, actually. They made uh they made that a real fortress after uh after the playoff series last season. The only one thing is uh I wanted to bring up Norman Powell's fall. Now he's at the start of the season when Van Vliet overtook him essentially for the shooting guard position following Danny Green's departure. A lot of people were doubting whether Norman Powell could have a sort of that breakout season that he's always been promising to have. And yet, in the last few games, and, you know, especially against uh, Miami, where he dropped 23, Orlando last month, he dropped 33, uh, Dallas, uh, a couple of weeks before that, dropped 26. All these times, he's actually been a higher scorer. Against the Bulls, him and Gasol were the most clutch in the fourth quarter. And I'm just wondering, playoff Powell has been a bit of a meme. Powell against the Bucks again, a bit of a meme going forward. But how seriously do we need to take this boy's talent going forward now? And can he be that valuable sixth or seventh man that we've been so dearly missing? Uh, not that, you know, likes of Terrence Davis, Chris Boucher, Hollis Jefferson have been good, but the sort of quality experienced seventh man that
1: we've been missing. Well, the thing with Powell, like before this season, was always his consistency and whether or not he could really get things going uh, on a consistent basis. And, like, he'd never really been able to prove it up until that playoff series against the Bucks, which is is something to say for itself, right? Because you're playing against what was the best record in the NBA, and then you have one of the best playoff performances um of his career for sure, and definitely was one of the better raptors on the court. But he really does seem to be coming into his own, and he's really finding a spot. like, he his consistency at the beginning of the year he was consistently not scoring he had his first four games were under 10 points is in his first seven he only had one double digit game but since then which coincides with when Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka got injured he's averaged over uh he's averaged over 15 points a game just under 16 so the the consistency is now there and I don't I don't know if it's because he's getting the bigger role and he's and he's scoring a lot more and he's getting more touches. But he does look a lot more comfortable out there. And for a guy who is really athletic and really effective on both ends of the floor because of not just his athleticism, but like the talent that he has and just the natural ability of himself and his demeanor. And, and once that's all put together and the consistency is there, he is a really good player. That game against Orlando where he had 33 was... You know, he was basically just picking up a really bad Pascal Siakam game, the 23 points he had in Miami, another uh, kind of picking up Pascal Siakam for not scoring. And it's really nice to see when you have multiple guys who can really pick themselves up and get into the moment and get into games where you're maybe Pascal Siakam's not playing well or or Serge Ibaka or Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Fleet any number of these guys aren't playing well and you can have this guy come in and and drops even if it's just 17 or 23 or 33 Um, it's nice to have and I think you should take it serious and he's he's really making that 10 million dollars per year that he's getting look like a good contract when the past couple seasons we've been saying damn like I really would rather not be paying Norm Powell that much
0: Yep, and what a beautiful note—a positive note—to end the first part of this podcast on. Uh, in the next part, we're going to bring our usual co-host Vural, and we're going to do the first of many quarterly Raptors reviews. Welcome, NS Canter, to the call. It's our resident Turk, Vural. How you doing?
2: Yo, what's up, people? I hope you enjoyed the first half of the call and I hope with my presence that it will be equally enjoyable for the rest of it.
0: So, Vral, Hunter, and I'll go to Hunter first. The Raptors currently sit 16-7, and 7, quarter of the way through the season. We're in the upper echelons of the Eastern Conference. Playoff time comes with this group of players in this vein of form. How do you see us going, and which round do we fall at? Because we ain't winning the championship. Hunter, you go first.
1: Uh, I I really think it depends on on playoff matchups, which is kind of a bit of a cop out answer, but if
0: no no if... no, in fact let's um let's let's give the current playoff matchups as okay things okay. Um, uh,
1: so but... so right now they'd be playing the Seventy Sixers. Yeah. Um, which is a matchup that I like for the Raptors, just because. I think they have a mental toughness that the Sixers just haven't really developed yet just because Embiid is young and and he does get a lot like he gets under his skin people get under his skin pretty easily and Ben Simmons you can pretty much take him out of an offense pretty quickly if he's not shooting his jumper (laughs) yeah
2: yeah yeah, uh, he can't shoot freeze out
1: but if like if he if he's just taking one a game even like you can take him out of the offense pretty quickly as a guard and if you take him out of the offense it gets harder for mb to really get going and then and then it's just a downward spiral for them so with the with the matchup that that would be in place there i think the raptors are in a pretty good spot to be completely honest and then you know going up against the bucks in that next series would would probably be tough and i'd say that's probably where they, where the season gets ended.
0: Viral, is the strength of the East too much, or should I say, is the strength of the Bucks too much for Toronto to conquer?
2: Well, uh, before we get to the Bucks, I actually think um, the Sixers will probably be uh, too much of a hurdle for the team to overcome because um, I do understand where you're coming from, Hunter, in terms of uh, their... I guess mental resilience as a team but um, despite how uh, we looked at Hawford's uh, signing for the offseason we said potentially it didn't really uh, fit with the rest of the team I think he would bring that leadership um, not not in terms of like a uh, championship leadership of course uh, he hasn't seen that sort of success in his career but I just think um, he would bring that sort of veteran leadership to that team and uh, when it comes to Simmons, I think he's uh, he's probably been performing just about at the same level as his rookie season, which is quite interesting. Like we haven't seen that progression, not in not just in terms of uh, his shooting, but his overall game. It seems um, slightly to regress. So I think with any payoff matchup involving the San Sixers, like it's so dependent on um, how. As whether Simmons is able to find uh, like you were saying, a role in the offence there, um, I wouldn't say it's easy to shut him down um, I think only the uh, best teams um, and Beth, like a very good like coaching system can shut a player like him down because he does have a lot of strength outside shooting but um, I, I, to be honest I just think uh, the Sixers they just have too much star power to, uh, to be frank, uh, compared to Toronto
0: so a first round and a second round exit, and I'll, uh, I'll probably put down a second round exit to continue the pessimism around uh, our postseason. Um, breakout star so far, though. We'll go, a bit, we'll go a little bit more into the positive now. Um, breakout star this season, but more importantly, one who you think will continue it, at least up until the, regular, the end of the regular season. I'll probably kick this off uh, with one of my favourite players, uh, Terence Davis, uh, even after the return of Lowry, uh, even after the prominence of Norman Powell, which uh, we were just talking about, Terrence Davis has continued to deliver in that uh, in that number two role or number three role. Um, it doesn't show much on the box score. I mean, you can see he's averaging six and a half points a game, three rebounds, uh, two assists uh, and not much in the stocks pile. But his presence, his energy, his tenacity has proved really effective off the bench and I think if you're looking for depth not only in the playoffs but to give to for load management purposes to give the likes of Van Vliet a rest the undrafted man has been called one of the steals of this year's you know quite underwhelming draft and I think he'll continue to prove to be uh you guys agree who do you think has some other contenders for that so far
1: yeah I like uh I like the Terrence Davis pick and like you said the stuff doesn't like show up on the box score and it's cool because he after playing four years in college at Ole Miss like he a lot of players after four years in college they come into the league and they they kind of struggle you see it with um uh oh what's that guy from Duke on the jazz the white dude whatever wow, Grayson wow. Grace Allen no, Grayson Allen Grayson Allen um, yeah, yeah. yeah so he uh he he sucks he just plain old sucks in the NBA and he was like a college star like he was a hero at Duke and uh Terrence Davis he was really good but you know since he didn't get drafted and he didn't really have any expectations coming in I I do agree with it like he he fits he he fits a really good role and he you can tell that he's kind of got like the gritty identity of the Toronto Raptors which is really dope and like having him in there to come in and just be an energy guy and be a guy who knows how to play basketball and like knows how to play in a system and doesn't think that he's the man because he was drafted top 10 or whatever it's uh it's really nice Farewell.
2: yeah that's that's a really interesting way of looking at it and also when we're talking about not showing up on the box score I think that's almost emblematic of this Raptors team it, as well Siakam side I think um that's something Again, uh, talking about grittiness there, Hunter, I think um, it's a recurring theme, really, for this team. But um, we talked about how Leonard leaving in the off-season, how it meant that almost every single player had to uh, take a step up in terms of um, their role and their hierarchy within the team. Um, And I think uh, an excellent demonstration of that is uh, probably Norman Powell... Um, just again, j- just how he's actually expanded as well. He previously, I'd probably say, just really a spot up three point shooter. Um, he played reasonable defense, but it's the fact that within this Nick Nurse system, he's also, um, you know, added those paymaking abilities into his game. And I think uh, something like reading the game and expanding uh, your offense to like a to include playmaking is. It's kind of a jump that uh, you don't really see too many players actually capable making of that. Like People say you either have that sort of court vision or you don't. Um, And so I think it it is rare, even for like a role player, it is rare to see them uh, expand into that area of the offense. So for me, I'd I'd honestly say Norman Powell.
1: I would like to add uh, two more guys kind of here. Fred Van Fleet obviously like has taken a huge step forward with his role. Like he's honestly, I think he should be in the mix for all-star conversation. Um, I don't know whether or not he's going to make it, but eight, like like 18.7 assists on a team that is going to be somewhere near the top four or five. Like the, the guard spots are relatively weak in the East. Like there's, there's Brogdon, Kemba Walker, and somebody from the Celtics, probably. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's tough to really see, you know, there's going to be a fourth, fifth, or sixth guard in there, just depending on the voting and whatnot. And I think Van Fleet's probably going to get love from from media and from, you know, the players and stuff and coaches and whatnot. Um, but the second guy I want to throw out there is Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Um, if you guys remember, like, he was... Interesting.
2: Interesting.
1: Like, like with Terrence Davis he's got no like his box score numbers are 8.9 points 5.4 rebounds but it's like everything that he does that doesn't count in the box score that's really cool and like his him getting called out by Nick Nurse at the beginning of the year for not trying hard enough in practice or scrimmages and not trying uh, to learn the defense and you know you see Stanley Johnson who was also called out in that same message basically getting no playing time right now and Hollis Jefferson was able, able to overcome that and he's had some really 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 nice games um, the game against Philly with uh, w- the game that we won he had 16 points Portland he had 16 points with 11 rebounds and you know when he gets the playing time and and he's trying really hard and just like I said with the gritty identity with Terrence Davis like Rondae Hollis Jefferson has that too and it's it's really showing up in in like his performance which is cool.
2: Yeah, that that's a really excellent point because of course, um, if you look at sports as a whole, like when players who are used to let's say playing regularly, when um, either yeah they are either called out in the media or they're benched, um, a lot of players can come, become quite despondent and demoralised. Um, so I think it really does uh, show to his resilience just as a person, really, to um, take Nick Nurse's message on board and. Um, you know, come out, come out of it um, by you know getting increasing his role in the team. So yeah, I think that's a that's an excellent point.
0: Uh, so you picked sort of Van Vliet uh, tipping in for all star. Um, that's the next point I want to go onto. Uh, gone are sort of the years where we sort of always have Lowry and DeRozan, or as we saw last season, Lowry and Leonard as an all star team. Apart from Siakam and I guess Van Vliet, uh, do we see any viable all-stars in this team and i'm purposely excluding lowry one because of his injury he's only played 12 games this season but two his reduced role in the team he's no longer the primary scorer okay he's the primary playmaker but is in that sense is he any better than the likes of ricky rubio for example um i'm sort of thinking is there that much star
1: individual star power outside of siakam in this team so far uh uh, like not really. I mean, I, I did mention Van Fleet as a possible all-star, but I think that is a bit of a stretch. Um, Lowry, if he does get in, it'll kind of be like, uh, you know, a legacy vote kind of thing for him. Yeah. And, and I think Raptors fans will probably give him a lot of love just because it's Kyle Lowry and he's, you know, our beloved child kind of thing for all Raptors fans. Exactly, exactly. So, like, he'll probably catch some love and, and he'll catch some votes, which, which might... Split the votes between him and Van Fleet, especially if the Raptors get in there. But I think the the only real like viable All Star, and he's probably going to be an All Star starter, is is Pascal Siakam.
2: Yeah, I I really don't have any. That's for- um, But but in terms of Lowry, um, it still is quite a long time until the All Star break. So I know um he has missed some games, but if he's healthy for the remainder, like uh. I don't see any uh, reason why he shouldn't like, like we said for him. Like uh, comparing him to Ricky Rubio, I, I'd say it's definitely disrespectful because he is—he can be an extremely efficient scorer. Oh, you know uh, what I'm saying.
0: I would never compare anyone, even LeBron, to Ricky Rubio. That man <laughs> is <the> king. <sighs>
2: To be fair, we had high expectations for him Just because um, every time he goes to an international tournament Like uh, again this summer uh, He starts to shoot really well And then we think, oh, has he turned his shot around? It almost happens like It happens with, uh, you know, a consistent regularity uh, And it never turns out to be the case With like the NBA three-point line and NBA defense So yeah, he's kind of stuck in his niche, uh, Rudy
0: right so um gone through a lot of categories now i don't want to um go through too many i was going to say perhaps biggest disappointment of the season but i think we might all agree off of that uh pipe up if you've got any comments uh best win of the season anyone have anything different but the lakers win with uh three players down uh going to the staples center and you know destroying lebron and ad essentially
1: um all in
0: agreement all have any sort of different Uh, thoughts on that
1: I, I might go with that Sixers win um, in like, late November. I, I do agree with that Lakers win being really cool and like uh, it was a really good game to watch and all that kind of stuff. But I just think that the the mental toughness from that Sixers game um, gave me more hope for this team than any other win. Like it was it really did feel like a playoff game atmosphere. Like I wasn't at the game, but even just watching it through tv was just like you could tell that the crowd was super into it and that the players were really into it and that like obviously Joel Embiid had zero points so like that's obviously gonna fill my heart with joy that every was... single time <laughs> yeah um, fun. yeah and then even like Pascal Siakam had a really really good game um and it just like down the stretch with that Pascal Siakam spin move on Horford then the and one on on Embiid was just like one of the one of the most like elite plays that I've seen him make at, at this stage of his career. And like the, the good guys were playing really big minutes and you know, it's without Kyle Lowry, it's without Serge Ibaka. And like, I think that was just like the grittiest win that they've had in, like I like I mentioned with Hollis Jefferson and Terrence Davis like this team is going to need to win games with their grit and their like mental toughness and that was exactly what that game was and that's exactly what that win was and like the emotion in that game was higher than any other game this year and it probably will be higher than any game this season except for the playoffs probably
0: yeah yeah and uh I mean that's what this team needs it'll need grit without without likes of Kawhi Leonard of course it'll need grit it'll need creativity it'll need Nick Nurse's sort of crazy genius and uh and the like and a bit of luck as we've uh, as we've had with some of the three shooting against us and uh, of course the unsustainably high three shooting that failed us in the last week or so um yeah. best British player in this team uh just because <laughs> we are a London-based pod- oh, uh, sorry a UK-based podcast now we've moved out of London of course we've um expanded Towards even the likes of Look, Scotland. National
2: presence, national presence.
0: Internet, yeah, national presence, and of course now an international presence with Hunter on the pod. Um, best British player, we all in agreement. OD and Anubi, made good strides this season. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. best British player for the Rats. a very yeah. Best sport. British player. Well, in, well, in the NBA, I mean, it would be probably the same uh, considering <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, who else is there? <laughs> <is it? laughs> like, um, and group. um, the last thing I want to ask is uh. As i said repeatedly, we're 16-7. It's not a record many fans would have predicted at this stage with one of the hard, hardest schedules in our opening quarter. But come 82 games, give me some numbers for the Raptors' record. Hunter, overall, you go first.
2: Ooh, um, I'm thinking around the 52-30 mark, just um, slightly under... Um, two to one
1: ratio
0: in terms of wins and losses okay the Dwayne Casey is fair enough uh Hunter
1: yeah like at at the beginning of the year I made this whole um like chart of like all my predictions of every team's wins and losses and I think I had I'm checking right now I had the Raptors at 52 and 30 uh. but if I'm gonna change it right now which I think I might I, I'm gonna push it up to like 54 and 28 but that's just really like they've looked so good and I think this little stretch is not really emblematic of what this team is and I think that it's just gonna make them better as the year goes on
0: great well myself uh I can no longer predict uh, 73 and uh well I can still predict a 73 and 9 but I'm gonna go a bit a stick probably 70 71 and 11 probably. I think the only two yeah. losses would be to probably the Lakers at home I think and then probably at Philly. But I think the rest we could still keeping your um, expectations in check. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I got to I got to be realistic. I got to be realistic. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, well, that's what we have time for today. Uh, Hunter, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. It's been great to have some yeah, insight live from Toronto. Um not you uh, plug your plug your socials and your podcast again
1: sure uh so podcasts um the raptors rapture podcast i'm the new host of that we just started that up again um, so i'm hosting that go subscribe and all that stuff uh rate review it helps us out um and then there's the take six podcast which i am still the host and creator of so also go subscribe rate and review to that apple podcast spotify wherever you guys listen to podcasts um do it there um i write for raptors rapture so if you want to check out my stuff that is also a very nice thing for you to do i'm at uh, at h underscore surplus on twitter and at take underscore six so give me a follow guys this
0: man yep. is a media machine
1: okay <laughs> um.
0: Yeah, for sure I, I personally
2: haven't actually checked out either podcast so uh, thanks for plugging me. I will have a look at both Varel doesn't
0: even awesome. listen to our own podcast to be honest so that, hey,
1: that's okay that's not true. I appreciate All it right. guys alright thanks uh, thanks both of you
0: for appearing
2: yeah man I'm really